Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 87. I'm your host, Derek Moore. Today we ask the question, and maybe answer it, is October the most volatile month for the stock market? Is it the worst month out of every month for the stock market? Uh, one, I think uh, you might imagine is true, but you might be surprised about the other one. And so anytime we get into October, thoughts of 87, the 1987 stock market crash, that happened during October. Also in October was a crash in 1929. And so anytime you get to October, you start to harken back or people start to talk about those crashes. Is there something about October that makes it you know, just a, a worse month than others. And sort of in the grand scheme of things, where does this really, what does it mean for, for stock market investors? Of course, I remind people, you know, I'm a big advocate of uh, deploying capital into, uh, into a portfolio, but also having real hedges, not just diversification that you hope will work when you need it most, but actual hedges. And we've done other episodes. Uh, I'll try and link to some of those on hedging a portfolio, getting invested. And, and when we have hedges, it takes away some of the guesswork. In other words, it takes away some of the need to be right on your entry or your exit. So I'll link to um, this article I'm going to reference came out in Market Watch, And the title of the article, and it actually has a picture of Owen Wilson, the actor. I'm trying to think what movie this is. But it's, it's uh, asking the question, you know, is how do stocks typically perform in October? And the, the title of the, uh, the article goes on to say why you might want to buckle up. And so is October the most volatile month? Is it the, the worst month for stocks? As far as volatile, I'll cut right to the chase. Apparently, yes. Apparently, yes. And so in this article, and this is by... Uh, let me see who this is. This is by, uh, this is Mark Holbert, uh, contributed to, to Market Watch. But when you look at this article, and one of the things they do is they say, look, October stands out. So they're showing a chart of the standard deviation of the Dow Jones industrial average, the Dow Jones, back to 1896. And they're measuring the daily changes. And so, of course, standard deviation looks to have an average, and it looks to see how much it moves above or below that average. Pretty simple, right? So on average of all the months, uh, it looks like the standard deviation around the average is about 1.09%, and that's daily price changes. And so a lot of days in the market since 1896, a lot, uh, you know, pretty big sample size. And, but then they show October, October, uh, and if, if you follow the link, I'll put the link to the, the article in the show notes. So you follow the article, October's average is actually about 1.43% on, on a you know daily a standard deviation of daily changes. And you may not think that's that significant, but actually it is. Um, you know, to go from 1.09 to 1.43 standard deviation, um, this is the highest of all the months. And, you know, just kind of looking at this chart, it looks like March, September, October, November, December are all, are all above average. Uh, I won't read off the rest of the months. You can figure that out. But those are below average. Uh, actually, January and July um, are the, 
the least volatile from a, just a standard deviation uh, viewpoint. And so when I immediately started, uh, somebody had sent me this article, and before I read it, I said, well, I wonder if you took out the, you know, the crashes in 29 and 87, which, I mean, look, if you know the average daily change and you, and you know the standard deviation is about 1.04%, uh, something like in 1987 where the market was down you know, somewhere around 17, 18, 20% in a day. It's just, it's not even fathomable that, uh, you know, that, that could even occur. Uh, but the article did address that. And they said, look, even if you take out 2987, both of those happened in October, um, it's, still, um, it's still the most volatile month. So if they struck those two years and just look at the, uh, the remaining days, so you took out two days out of you know 1896 to 2020, uh, it's still the most volatile month. So big sample size for sure. So are there any reasons for this? Um, I mean, the article doesn't seem to, to come up with any. Um, you know, they one of the, the things that people naturally point to in the article also addresses this, and I, I'd urge you to go and, and read the article, is, you know, October is right before November. And what do we have in November? Well, we've got elections. Uh, but actually what they did was, and I'll let you read the article, but apparently they, they looked at, you know, taking out uh, the years, you know, the October returns and years right before elections. And it was still, still more volatile than other months. So to answer that question, yeah, it is, it is more volatile uh, according to some historicals. Uh, a little bit later, I want to get to some of the, you know, what does this mean for returns? Uh, one of the things I think that's important, though, uh, is how prepared is the market for increased volatility? And, you know, I think that's, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later. So the other question is, is October the worst month for investors? And months are... You know, over the years, you kind of have, um, you know, if we look at uh, the, what is it, sell in May and go away, and there's, I think academics have, have done research on why that may or may not be be true. Uh, you have the January effect, the Christmas effect, the Super Bowl effect, although I, I haven't seen any data on that. Of course, that was, for a while, if an NFC team, meaning, you know, the, uh, the NFC conference versus AFC team. So, of course, the NFC is, you know, where the Cowboys and um, uh, Giants, uh, you know, and who else? Rams. Oh, God. I'm not going to name off all the teams. But uh, versus, let's say, the Broncos or the Chargers or the Patriots. Now, the Patriots won quite a number of Super Bowls. So maybe they, they messed up the averages. But that was a thing for a while where the market did better, you know, NFC versus AFC. Uh, recently, we did an episode where we sort of dispelled the myth that stock market returns, you know, it's really better for one party to be in power versus the other or, or one president or the other. I'll link to that as well. I think you'll find that interesting. We're going to do a pre-election show probably the week before the election. We'll talk about some of the, the things we see and, and also the uh, some of the data as well. But, you know, you look at... Uh, how does this do each month? And, and it's interesting, too, because that article I, I recently referenced, uh, they did make the point that volatility isn't necessarily bad. And, and I would say 
you know, volatility, if, if you've got hedging, if, you, if you've got protection in portfolio, you, you're probably not going to care one month to the next, um, you know, what happens. You're, you're invested for the long term. But October is not the worst month. Uh, October is not the worst month for investors. And I did a couple, I didn't have this data. Uh, I didn't run this myself. Did a couple searches online and, and you can Google that. Uh, but it was kind of interesting. And, and uh, you know, September is actually the the worst month. And so I'll cut to the chase on this. When you look at, uh, you know, the average monthly returns, and I think this this study was 1928 to 2020, September, and I don't know if this includes dividends or not. Um, I don't think it's it's really clear. But anyway, the, uh, September, the average is minus 1%. And there are only two other months that have an average percent change each month uh, going back over that time period. And that's February, negative 0.1%, and and May, minus 0.1%. And so those are, you know, three out of 12 months. And, but then you look at October, you know, October is not the best, but the average annual return in October is about, you know, four tenths of 1%, so 0.4%. So not negative. Um, you're probably curious which is the best. Well, uh, it looks like July, December, April, and January. So for whatever that is worth. But uh, uh, the other interesting thing too is uh, one study I think I saw looked at um, when the market's up or down in October, what is the average that's up or down? And I think October... When it's down, it's roughly you know down four and a half percent on average. So it's all the down October's over, you know, many years. Uh, at this point, it's you know about ninety plus years. And, and when it's up, it's it's up around you know four percent. Um, and the one thing I would say is that when it is down, it's tied for the worst average down with May. So in other words, you know, all the years that were negative. Uh, in the month of October, if you add up all those. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, you can really look at this and say that October is, um, in general, the, I mean, September apparently is, is the worst month. Uh, I wouldn't, I would agree though, according to the data that October is the most volatile. And the other interesting thing that I took a look at is I just, the, just the instances of when, October was down, so over you know ninety years or so, and it's not out of line either. I mean, the, you know, it's pretty much markets are in general up more than they are down. We know that from year to year. In fact, we've done a previous podcast where we we looked at some data, and markets are within three percent of an all time high uh, quite often, quite often. So um, October seems to be the most volatile. It does not seem to be the worst month, and you know, I think that's that's sort of interesting. Now, when we look at when we think about volatility uh, as option, you know, premium sellers or involved in the options market, volatility is one of the key inputs. And so, you know, when you look and you sort of say, okay, um, volatility, expected volatility, and historical volatility are two different things, and I'll explain really quickly. So historical volatility is you look at you know something like a standard deviation, you look at actual price changes. So how 
how volatile has a market or a stock or, or some asset been? And you're looking at what's actually happened. And But then um, there's also the implied volatility. Implied volatility says, what does the market vis-a-vis the, you know, the options market and, and options premiums, what is the option market actually saying they are expecting? You know, back in March, when we saw some of those, uh, you know, March of, of 2020, of course, we saw some of those really volatile periods. And it was a time, normally, the options market prices in higher moves than actually happen, meaning that they're, um, they price in a worst case scenario than actually happens. Back in March, you actually had instances when the market was underpricing volatility. So in other words, let's say they were pricing in you know, something like a, uh, oh, I don't know, a, a 5% move and we were getting 8% moves. And they could be up or down as well. So you know, one of the proxies for volatility, so you, know, you could look at uh, um, certainly a, a, a chart and you would see the VIX. You could look at the VIX index, which is based upon the S&P 500, um, kind of that rolling 30-day window of option premiums. Uh, you can also look at the implied volatility on the options on a market. You can also look at implied volatility on individual, um, you know, individual stocks as well. Each each sort of market, if they have options, they're going to have a volatility. So, you know, going back to '87. Um, if I can use that as a proxy. And, and the current VIX construct uh, wasn't exactly the, the same. But if we look at the, you know, it's tough to decipher exactly, uh, but if we look back in, uh, you know, right before, um, in the fall of 87, the VIX was oscillating somewhere between, I think, you know, 16, 17, maybe at the high 25. But let's just say if it was 20 going into October, uh, that was, and again, there's better ways to do this. You would look at the implied volatility on uh, the actual, let's say, monthly options on on the S and P. But um, that implies about a one and a quarter, uh, you know, standard deviation expected move. And over, let's say, thirty days, that would be roughly, um, you know, over thirty days, roughly, I don't know, about six and a half. Uh, you know, or something like that, the average, the expected uh, one standard deviation move. Um, now, as, as I said, there's better ways of doing it. But if I look at the VIX today, the VIX is, you know, close to 27. That implies a move over the month, you know, plus or minus of about, you know, just under 9%. And so I bring that up because uh, is volatility expected or was it completely mispriced, meaning completely unexpected? And then you got some moves in October. And that, that would take additional study and, and research. Uh, but I think it's worth saying because when you look at the options market, and this is, we just did an episode on kind of talking about the, the Robinhood option traders. You can, that was episode uh, 86, just one, one uh, week ago. But if, if you look at that, one of the, the challenges for new option traders is a lot of times they might buy options that are have really high premiums because volatility is really high. And if they, if they don't, if, if the market or the asset they're, they're making a direction of play on, uh, if that volatility gets sucked out of the market, they could be right on direction, but wrong on, on, uh, you know, the, the volatility being shrunk and, you, and the premiums being, uh, shrunken down. So, 
Um, I think that's an interesting point. And so when you look at, you know, this data, I would say a couple things. Number one is, yeah, it seems pretty clear that October is more volatile. Does that mean you have to necessarily do something? Um, my opinion, again, if, if you have a, a good hedging uh, strategy and um, you probably don't, not going to worry too much. Um, the other point that the article meant, uh, made was when you have a lot of volatility, maybe someone is looking to get into a stock or a market. And, you know, again, I, I'm not an advocate of market timing, but they feel like they, um, they want to get in lower. This might give you an opportunity to get in lower. You know, Apple, I think at one point, the standard deviation on Apple this year was something like 75 or 100%. Um, you know, it's like up 100% off the lows at one point. And I would just ask, I mean, did, did Apple's cash flows actually deviate by, you know, 100%? Did their earnings deviate by 100%? Of course not. Uh, but volatility sometimes creates, uh, you know, opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's clear it's more volatile. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be uh, bad volatile. And I think in, in, even if you look at a chart that includes 1987, um, you know, you'd have to be hard pressed to look at a long-term chart and see that blip now as as bad of a, a day that was. Um, the other thing I would say is that October historically is, on average, based upon the data I look at, it's it's not the worst month. You know, and, and the months don't deviate that much. Um, so is this kind of more of the, um, you know, the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail? I don't even know how that goes. I, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. And I think it's pretty clear, too, that uh, it's interesting because that was uh, the question about the election, and they seem to have answered that as well. So, uh, And the other thing, too, is for option sellers, uh, sellers of premium, this, a, a higher volatility regime, can, can provide some opportunities because um, without getting into the, the constructs and some of the, the more technical things, um, if premiums are higher, uh, sometimes that presents an opportunity to, to do things that are further away from the market, higher probabilities of, of success and things like that. So, um, so anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, as I said, we're, we're going to be talking about the election probably one more time. If you missed that, uh, that was episode 85. I'd urge you to take a look at that. And in that episode, it was, so that was just two weeks ago, uh, we looked at some really interesting data and some of it was surprising. You would think some, you know, the average uh, returns on some of the presidents would have been much worse, and they weren't. And we also looked at, you know, hey, what if you have all Democrats, all Republicans? What are the average annual returns? Um, and again, somewhat surprising that uh, uh, it matters less than than people think on a historical perspective. So. Anyway, we'll wrap up there. Remember, uh, please share these episodes uh, if you have people that you uh, you think would be interested in these and uh, might gain some benefit. By all means, share them. Many people are not aware of podcasts. I know that seems kind of crazy in this day and age, but uh, show them on their phone. There's podcast apps, uh, the Apple Podcast. Uh, you can get this on, uh, what's, the, what's the other one? Oh, Spotify. Yeah, this is available on Spotify. If you use that, if you use uh, you know the Google Podcast app, a lot of people don't realize it's there's a podcast app on Google. So uh, plenty of opportunities. But yeah, rather than waste your time rating and reviewing and five-starring, of course, you can do all that as well. 
uh, please share these episodes. And remember to download previous episodes. We've got, uh, uh, this is episode 87, we've got 86 others. And a lot of those are what we call evergreen, meaning uh, it's not necessarily, you know, if you, did, if you missed it two years ago, uh, it's something that's very, uh, it's a subject that you can still go back on and, um, and enjoy. So, all right, everyone, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.